Hello Gems, welcome to another episode of TRs in Tech. I'm your host, Shelly Benhoff, and today I'm talking to Karen Todd about software testing advocacy. She is a software tester, and she also has a YouTube channel called Karen Tests Stuff. We talked about the importance of testing, how empathy helps her work with her team, and she is a fellow Disney nerd, so of course, we talked about that. Without further ado, on to the episode. Hey, Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Shelly. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, let's just like jump right in. Let's have you tell us your story of how you got into tech and specifically testing. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. It's a really weird story, as is a lot of testers' stories. Um, We don't tend to come from one specific background. Um, The long version of this story is kind of on my friend Lee's YouTube channel at the Pirate Tester on Twitter and YouTube, but I can give you kind of the elevator Karen pitch. (laughs) (laughs) I loved video games as a kid, Um, grew up on Pokemon Yellow and hand-me-down Super Nintendos, and on my 15th birthday, I got a GameCube and Zelda. And it was the best thing ever. I played the crap out of those games. My little sister did too. I always thought those people in that space who created these things out of like magic and motherboards were sorcerers, but it turns out we're all a bunch of weirdos who are constantly learning and adjusting, (laughs) but that comes later. So, so back to the story, um, fast forward to my twenties. Um, I didn't really know what to do with my life. I fell into retail management at a video game store, which I loved and hated at the same time. Um, I was a really bad manager. I know this now. Hindsight is 2020. I was diminutive. I held people to rigorous standards and kind of let my disappointment be known when no one else measured up. Um, but I left that job for what I dubbed a real job and moved into the safety department at a geotechnical engineering company. Cool. Thanks, mom. <laughs> No, really. My mom worked in marketing and we had to like pinky swear not to have any work family rifts within the company. Insert eye roll here for the listeners. <laughs> but I worked there for a time. Um, I was miserable and got yelled at all the time by people for things that were like 100% out of my control. And my empathetic heart just died every day. So I decided to go work at a little bookstore. Um, I had moved in with my partner and he owned the home we lived in for relatively cheap compared to prices today. So I was able to take kind of a pay cut and go work at half price books for a short time. And then I decided to go back to school. While I was going to school, a blast from my past kind of returned out of the blue. Um, A friend that I met in college that I stayed in touch with told me about this development bootcamp at Launch Code. I thought I wasn't smart enough to work in technology, but it's free. Why not try? Um, there had to be something waiting for me when I ended my associate's degree. And I just, I was kind of listless. I had no path, but I got into the boot camp with my partner. Um, as far as I know, we're still the first husband and wife team to go through the program together and graduate. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, it was amazing. He wanted to quit at points. I wanted to quit at points, but we kept each other going together. Um, this was spring of 2020. So cue the pandemic. (laughs) 
I finished my associate's degree and I graduated virtually, graduated launch code virtually as well, and waited desperately to hear about any job openings, which, as you know, kind of evaporated into thin air. Um, the apprenticeships that were dangled so enticingly in front of us were kind of dissolved. Uh, I took a job in real estate with a couple of amazing friends of mine, but wasn't truly happy. And I know even that my heart was really in learning and sharing technology, I was kind of stuck. So I quit my job, went to work full-time and find a job in tech. I wanted to be a JavaScript developer, funnily enough. Um, applied everywhere for everything and got turned down every single time because no one wanted to take a chance on me. It was so hard for people to find good, talented people who wanted to um, work in these different environments that it, even with all the opportunity out there, it just nothing came. So November 2020, after months of rejections, I get another message from that same friend out of the blue. A member of my cohort had reached out to him about an opening for a software test engineer. What was that? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm in. <laughs> it's tech, right? <laughs> yeah. I started researching and the more I learned, the more I loved. Um, the more questions that were answered, the more questions I had. Um, they took a chance on me and bam, love at first test. So I'm not an expert. I've only been doing this a short time. So my expertise is kind of limited, but I hit the ground running and kind of built the plane while I was flying it. Um, over the last year or so, I've had to do kind of a hard introspection to assess where my true capabilities lie and what I really get excited about. Um, you know what I'm excited about? What's that? Sharing. <laughs> Talking to people and hearing their stories and hearing about what they're doing to make the world a better place than they found it. That's what excites me. Hence, software testing advocacy. <laughs> I love that whole story. So first of all, I, I also became interested in tech because of video games. Mm. I'm a little older than you, so mine was the very first Nintendo, but whatever. <laughs> you know. Oh, I love the Nintendo. We we had a lot yeah. of secondhand stuff. We didn't have a lot of money mm -hmm. when we were growing up. So I really thrived in the, I guess, retro gaming now. I guess everything yeah. that I loved as a kid is retro now. So exactly. I I still have all my systems. And mm -hmm. that original NES like still works. That's amazing. You haven't know, had to replace right? the pin set in it? No, it still works. Like I um, turned it on um, last year, I think. And I was like, wow, okay. This thing is like, I, I got it in like, I don't know, 1986. And it's, it's still fine. And I mean, I've used it. <laughs> I love that. That's great. I had a bunch of uh, Nintendos, but I lost access to... Um, getting the replacement pieces for them. So I ended yep. up getting rid of them, but I still love the games. I've got a little, one of those little crappy retro systems that like just oh, is yeah. like an off brand and you just stick the cartridge in and it goes. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I, I never had the need to purchase any of those because I still have like my original, you know, consoles and all the games. So I have a ton of stuff that I would love to play again, but they're not really like supported you know? Mm. Um, yeah. But, um, what else did I want to unpack there? There's a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. So 
yes. I wanted to say really um, obtaining your first job pretty much anywhere, but like, especially in tech, it's really a lot of it is all about who you know. Um, tons of people send out hundreds and hundreds of resumes um, and they're rejected every time. It's strangers. If you're in a tech program, a community, whatever, connect with the people is like always my number one thing. I did not do this. And so I had a really hard time finding jobs. Um, mm. But again, like this was back in like 2002 or whatever. So there weren't like Reddit or like, mm -hmm. you know, groups yet, or at least yeah, not. The sense. Yeah. At least the like sense of online, online community. Online. Was yeah. A little less, but, and there's people now who have worked in software testing forever and have no idea the online community that's out there and the amount of support and love and encouragement that you can yeah. get from those people is astounding. Yeah. And just knowing that people out there are going through the same thing you are, they're getting rejected right and left. They're just like, am I, am I good at this? What, what am I doing with my life? Having people cheer you on is really what makes a difference. And mm -hmm. that makes the world a better place. You know? yes, All of us absolutely. helping each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So software testing advocacy, I, I will tell you as a coder, I appreciate testing so, <laughs> so much because when you are writing the code, like you should not be the tester of that code. I have worked at so many places that operated that way that didn't have like a QA team. And so the end result isn't ever like really polished. And sometimes things don't even work as written, you know, in like the technical requirements and stuff like that. Anyway, what is important or what do you enjoy in testing? Oh my goodness. So a little bit about me as a person, I have ADHD. So I need new shiny things to feel fulfilled and to feel excited about things. And I have many questions. I have questions about life, the universe and everything. Um, questions that a lot of the time don't have answers beyond I don't know yet, but I like to investigate. Um, I like to look at patterns over time. I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good at recognizing outliers and thinking about how best to interrogate a box. Um, I was talking with my friend Lee about how a developer builds a box, right? And then they hand it off to the tester. Well, we're going to shake the box, aren't we? We're going to roll the box and see how it lands. We're going to attempt to open the box and put nasty things inside and see how the box reacts. So all while gathering information and squirreling it away, then when we're done exploring, we take that information and make it consumable by others. We show area of risks and security issues. We point out the pain points in the user journey. We call out when accessibility requirements aren't being met. And 
I just love the process of discovery and reporting. It's a treasure hunt every time. Yeah, I I love that you touched on accessibility. I suck at accessibility and I've always needed people on the team to like check everything because there's so many things to keep in mind. They're all very important. If a person has a screen reader, like the tab flow of every element on the page needs to be in a logical order. People don't think about these types of things. Um, And like colors, you know, specific colors really aren't useful on screens because there are a lot of people that can't see them like a lot. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Reds and greens, especially everybody wants to use these beautiful colors to call things out on their website. But it, the fact is, is that it just doesn't work for everyone. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what Pluralsight is very strict with us to produce content that is accessible. And that is what they ping me on most, honestly, because I don't know about accessibility, but I've, I've learned a lot now. (laughs) I don't, I don't love that they ping you on it, but I love that they're calling that out, that that's a concern for them, that that's something that they can teach people um, because you don't know what you don't know. So you have to experiment and lean on someone else's expertise. Exactly. Yeah. And um, the best people to lean on for that are the people who are actually, you know, affected by it. Mm-hmm. People who, who have health conditions and, and stuff like that. Like I, I've learned a lot from Twitter by just talking to people who are experiencing um, health issues like, you know, wheelchair or um, blind and deaf people. Like mm-hmm. I've really, really started to interact with them more and it's eye-opening like to see all, all of the things that could really, really be better for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like learning about the different ways that um, people who have limited abilities in different areas, uh, how they use our products that we're building because they use it so differently than what a, a baseline user would, we, we would expect someone to use it. Um, because they have to go about it in different ways. Exactly. Yeah. And the only sites I I ever was required to support any level of, of accessibility were like hospitals and mm. healthcare. And I was blown away. I was like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. Of course they would want to have readable screens because they would have the highest traffic of people that have health concerns, you know? Yes. Yeah. So I can tell you there are a lot of health organizations out there that take accessibility really seriously. Good. Yeah. It's great. Um, so why is it important to have advocates in, in testing and like pretty much any group overall? Yeah, everybody could always use a hand. Um, Most of my job is advocacy, right? That's why this is so close to my heart. I advocate for users, for the product, for quality, for operability. 
so many pieces of information to present to human beings and hope that they consume the content in the way that you intended so that you have a shared language of understanding between you. Um, building that shared language is core to an advocate because without it, misunderstandings are guaranteed almost. Yeah. yeah. You may eventually get to the same place, but who knows how much longer it'll take to get there. Um, and advocates thrive when sharing new information with receptive listeners, especially outside of their craft. Uh, they take their message across the borders of rank and designation, product role, um, they're understood not just by other testers, but developers, product managers, designers, stakeholders, the public, everybody. So when you have that person as an intermediary, communication really becomes more clear and people, the roles don't have to advocate for themselves because that's just another piece of effort that they have to bring forth every single day. And if you have someone there who's aware of what the different roles play, how everyone's involved in quality, then it really becomes almost advocating for the entire team together to each other. Um, so to create a shared understanding, I channel all my empathy into understanding the other person as intimately as possible. But in order to do this, you advocates need a psychologically safe space to operate within. I need to be able to trust that the other person is open and willing to listen, even if they're not ready to make a change. Um, the simple willingness to listen is really invaluable in the first steps of advocacy because I need to be able to trust that the other person has good intentions regarding the discussion of the topics where people are called to be vulnerable, where they may be tasked with accepting some hard feedback. So providing this kind of space is really essential to an advocate and has always been essential to my own positive growth. Yeah, amazing. I have definitely um, seen people get hard, like not not harsh, but just blunt, you know, true true feedback from testers, and they like lose their shit. And I'm mm -hmm. just like, it's it's just code, you know. And like, I don't know. In the future maybe read through the technical requirements a little bit more or just lean on testing to help you and be open to learning and, and growing as a person. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm and very spoiled in the situation that I'm in now because I work with uh, developers that I've worked with almost my entire time testing. So we know each other very well and it's easy to play off of each other. I can tell when somebody's really in the zone and I'm getting short snippy responses. I know that I need to come back later or ask when's a good time for them to circle back on this and then come back to it. But they also trust me to have the best interest of the product in mind and come to them in a judgment-free way. Yeah. So it's not only the people that are receiving the information, but it's also the people that are sharing the information that have to be cognizant of that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there's no blame. I've, I've worked at places that completely blamed me for stuff. And then I've also worked at places where I screwed up and I was like really, really afraid of being fired. And they're just like, why would we, why would we fire you? It, it wasn't all your fault. Like it's a whole team thing. And I was like, what, this is how people are. Like, this is how I'm supposed to be treated with like respect and care. Yeah. Cool. 
<laughs> Everybody should. Cause I keep circling back to that, that it's all team. The whole team is responsible for quality. So in that case, you can't judge each other. Right. Because you all have to work together towards this shared goal. And if somebody is not picking up the, the pieces that fall under their role, it falls on the rest of the team to kind of pull everything together and bring it back to where it should be. Exactly. And like support each other to like um, overcome uh, issues and all of that stuff. I I just remembered that earlier when you were talking about your first experience in management and how it, it didn't go as you wanted and hindsight and all of that same thing happened to me. Same thing happens almost to everybody because I, I don't know, it's, it's hard to manage people, but um, it takes a lot of that empathy um, and it, it's just really important to foster this, you know, teamwork and that you work with people. People don't work for you. You know, that's where I went wrong. That's where I went so wrong. Um, for some reason, the people that I managed the first time I was a manager, they all still talk to me like every single one of them. So, and this was like 20 years ago. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you're able to keep that relationship going. I have a few people that I still speak to. Um, but a lot of them, I think, I think it was just a job. I managed teenagers at a video game store. What, what can oh. you really do? You have to be yeah. so much more understanding. And, you know, these people that are working for you are going through major changes in their life, moving from high school to college, mm -hmm. you know, just dealing with life as a teenager that I, I don't know that I really gave them the space that I could have, but a few of them came out of that situation with me and were able to really thrive in an environment of being challenged like that. Like I said, I kept my standards really high because I have very high personal standards. And it took me a long time to realize that those same markers that I use for myself are not necessarily transferable to other people because their brains are wired differently than mine. What's important to them may not be important to me and vice versa. So that really took a lot of introspection for me, but I'm glad that I did. Exactly. And just like you said, hindsight, you know, we all have it. And it's just like, when you realize something like that, you're like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. 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 I have some apologies I'm carrying around to this day. <laughs> oh my God. Me too. Oh, me too. <sighs> anyway. Um, so at jobs I've had, um, testing teams were pretty much overwhelmingly women. Um, mm -hmm. so I was just, I was just wondering, you know, what is your experience of the current landscape of testing? Sure. Once again, I am spoiled. I have a great testing team and a wonderful craft team director. That's basically what we call our, our team lead as our craft team director. Um, her name is Courtney and her story is absolutely phenomenal. She came in, um, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So I've heard rumors about what testing used to be like. 
and how some people had it in their minds that testing is somehow less than development. Um, but I don't believe that. I believe it happens, sure, but I don't believe it's true. Like, I believe people think the earth is flat, but I don't believe what they believe is true. Right. So because of this, I hear stories that women in technology were sort of relegated to QA positions. Um, It was seen as an easier path in development, uh, a stepping stone kind of to development. And these stereotypes still exist in a way today, Um, especially when it comes to working in waterfall methodologies, uh, the separation and othering of testers when it comes to collaborating with developers only hurts everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, developers can learn from testers. Testers can learn from developers. Same for all parts of a product team. I'm biased because that's my only experience, but it has been successful in my experience. So I'm currently on a team where we're five women to one man, but I don't really feel that that's due to any less men applying. Um, I feel that this is specifically because my craft team director is an amazing sponsor to the women in technology that she finds and lifts up above her. I love that. Yeah, I'm lifted up myself by her continuous championing of my causes. Um, This project that I'm doing on advocacy with my video series, she's behind me 100%. She gives me the space to explore and the resources I need to be successful, no matter where my brain takes me. and her unique story, it's its not mine to tell. I, I have a video coming out with her soon, so I'm going to let cool. her tell her own story on my channel. But she built our testing team from the ground up as the first tester brought into the company. Wow. She hired another, then another, then she came to me and took a chance on me. I don't know why. I should ask her. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm- why. You're great. <laughs> That's why. Well, her favorite thing is hiring for attitude and training for skill. So I'm sure that has something to do with it, but I'm looking forward to exploring her story in more depth on my channel. So stay tuned for that. But you do see a lot of women in testing. And I think that's for the reasons that I already said, just some kind of ingrained, I don't know, masculine construct of what jobs are good for men and good for women, which is silly. Mm-hmm. But I think that probably has something to do with that. Yeah, I've met. Well, I've I've worked with tons, tons of testers. Um, there's a good portion of uh, women who were interested in coding, but were mm-hmm. you know pushed out for whatever reasons. And whenever they tell me this story. I say to them, if you are interested in coding and switched careers and you're still interested in coding, then you didn't have the right teacher, honestly, Mm. because no teacher should ever, you know, dissuade a woman from coding, you know, anything from anything. Yeah, exactly. But so many of us are questioned. Why do you want to do a man's job? You know? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, why not? Who cares? It's why is it your business? (laughs) It's not gendered. It's really not. It's just words. It's just a title. Exactly. It's just a title. And it isn't like women aren't, aren't good at certain things. We're not all the same, you know, we're and those all things different. that 
women are good at, not all women are good at. Oh my God. Totally. I don't have kids. <laughs> like, you know, I don't think I would be a good mother. Honestly, I, <laughs> I need quiet time. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. My husband and I feel the same way. We're, we're the kids in do. the relationship. <laughs> I, I still feel that way. And I'm in my forties. So like that won't go away. <laughs> no, it's just part of you. It's not for everybody and that's okay. It is for some people. And I celebrate that. Um, I celebrate it for the people who uh, make the decision not to. Um, there are goods and there are positives and negatives to both. Yeah. And I can appreciate people who can have this conversation openly. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I just women who have kids and and careers and all of that i respect that so much cuz i know how insurmountably hard that is like that is a mountain i don't want to climb honestly mm. yeah um so how has your experience been working on you know teams um are just comprised of so many different roles and sort of each role has its own like lingo, I feel like. And I, I try to not speak in like acronyms a whole lot to everyone. I don't know what, where I was going with that. What is your experience? No, I do too. It comes back to that shared understanding of language, doesn't it? where if you are speaking in these terms that are foreign to the other roles, they're not going to understand your message and stuff's going to get lost in translation. Exactly. So it's all about coming to the other role with the um, vulnerability to have that shared language. Yeah. So that's just my experience. Actually. Uh, I, I, like I said, I'm spoiled again, that this company took a chance on me and really allowed me the space to thrive in this role because I was given full trust that I could deliver quality testing to match the skills of the other people on my team and great feedback and ways to approve upon as I went. So I, I made mistakes, of course, but I, I tend to learn quicker from mistakes than I do positive feedback. I need positive feedback in order to feel good, feel good about the progress that I'm making, Yeah, but it's the constructive feedback that really builds me. So these developers that I've been lucky enough to work with on each project are a talented bunch of wizards. We know each other's triggers, habits, all that kind of thing. So taking feedback and immediately turning it into um, a positive contribution for the rest of the team is very similar with the way that I work with designers. Because um, designers are incredible uh, accessibility advocates, a lot of them. And so I feel like I have a lot in common with them. So we already have a little bit of the shared language. Um, and then I'm doing more to learn about the different development experiences so that I can have the context to speak to them on their terms as well. Um, and then for, for product managers, I was incredibly lucky to have the opportunity to be on multiple product teams with a close friend of mine. And our friendship developed out of our product team from the first. Um, I'm not so close to like DevOps teams, just because most of that type of role, due to the type of work that I do at this digital product agency, um, I don't get a lot of in-depth detail of the DevOps process, because um, generally it's fulfilled by the client or an outside perspective that many of us don't have access to. 
So I do get some familiarity with backend work. I just don't get to put it into as much practice as I'd like. Yeah, absolutely. I've talked to a lot of testers that say the same. And I'm just like, you know, I'll I'll help you learn anything you want. I can point you to any resource, you know, and I really champion them to um, exercise that skill more. I think it's- You know what that sounds like? Yeah. Advocacy. (laughs) There you go. It, it is. Yeah. I am. I am such an advocate for so many different things, as you know. <laughs> I know. I know you really lift other people up in a lot of different I ways. I try to, because um, stuff happens to me that isn't um, acceptable, like all the time. And so I don't want other people to ever feel small. I don't want anybody to ever take to heart people's comments because um, I was, I was actually on TikTok recently. Reese Witherspoon said something like um, when you realize that others opinions of you aren't any of your business, then it makes you free. And I was like, wow, that's what I needed to hear that day. (laughs) Wow. That is so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Because as a person in, um, in tech and I'm extremely technical, I'm, I'm a speaker, I'm out there on, you know, I'm, I'm a public person, my inbox, you know, (laughs) Mm, I feel you on that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I am, I am not warning you, you know, like do everything, um, stream, have a channel, a podcast, whatever, just expect, you know, stuff to happen, but don't take it to heart. Don't let them win. Do Mm -hmm. not ever think of yourself as less than you're equal. Yeah. Because you're (laughs) responsible for the message that leaves you, but you're not responsible for the way the other person processes it. Oh my God. That's totally going to be a quote. to put down the time code. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. And it's just like, so true. You can't control, um, other people, but you can control yourself. My therapist would be so proud. (laughs) Oh, mine too. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, yeah. So, oh, here's a new one. I, I was reading through, um, your Twitter. And I, I remembered that we are both, um, Disney nerds and primarily I'm pretty sure that's how we like met, you know, um, almost positive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was like tech and Disney. And I saw your profile and I was like, hello, new best friend, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I've got totally. that picture of the Epcot flower and garden, oh, yeah. uh, on my, my profile banner. Yeah, exactly. I absolutely love Disney. And I knew exactly where you were standing when you took yeah, that picture. Yeah, because you can see the Imagination Pavilion and yeah, the, the monorail line. Yeah, <laughs> that's so awesome. Something that I've always wanted to talk about, like publicly anywhere on, on this show, on, on YouTube or, or whatever, is the technology that is used in their parks. I have traveled to... Um, Florida, obviously, I um, live here. 
California, Hong Kong, and Paris. Um, and they're all a little bit different. Definitely Florida has, has always had the, the highest level of like technology for planning trips and just in, mm -hmm. in the parks itself. What has your experience been with this, you know, evolution of amazing, honestly, uh, amazing tech in, in all their parks? Yeah. Uh, I've only been to Orlando. Um, mm -hmm. That's the only park that I've been to, but I have researched what they use in the other parks. And I believe it, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Hong Kong, is it Hong Kong or Shanghai that's owned or operated by a different company? It's a uh, Shanghai, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I don't have any experience with that, um, with what they do. But as far as the Orlando parks, I was intimately familiar with, I was up at, you know, 6 a.m. on 60 days out to get my fast passes, 180 days out to get my dining reservations. You know, I um, took advantage of the disability access service because I have intense crowd anxiety and it's hard for me to stand in close quarters with other people for long periods of time. Um, so the fact that they were able to pull a piece of technology to make their parks more physically accessible through technology on your phone is astounding. I think it's a huge leap and I know people take advantage of it, but it's such a helpful process for those of us who have trouble with the baseline. Yeah. I always hesitate to use the word normal because what's normal to one person is very different. So you just think of the baseline. Um, and then like, especially what they're doing with the galactic star cruiser now totally. with your magic bands, where if you're just in proximity to one of the characters, it changes your experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very cool. It's a little expensive for me, but yeah, <laughs> really cool. I, I'm a major um, Star Wars fan, so I have to go at some point, but I'm waiting for a little bit of the novelty to wear off and for them to work out some of the kinks first. Exactly. For me, the most technologically advanced ride they have ever put, put forth is Rise of the Resistance. And unfortunately, it goes down a lot. Um, for oh. people that aren't aware of what this is, it's like a Star Wars experience. It's part ride, part, I guess, like escape room was the mm -hmm. original intent, but that's not really you know, it, it isn't a full escape room anymore because I feel like they realized, you know, um, we don't want these strangers interacting with each other. Yeah. Know, well, it was just a tiny little car. It was just sad. Cause I feel like they had so many more ideas for it yeah, before true. COVID happened. Um, and then things just happened as they did and it kind of turned into what it is now. I really appreciate the show piece of it. Mm -hmm. Um, with all of the cast members being such full buy-in, especially like spoilers when you are halfway through the ride and they come to rescue you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like I don't think anybody thinks that you're going to walk off with the first order after no. the ride's done. That's not what happens. It's yeah. just so well done. The show is perfect. Everybody gets buy-in. When you're working with the Imperial cast members, especially- yes. They are phenomenal. They are imposing. They're offensive in certain ways. And just, they're so much fun to interact with. 
exactly. I, I can't wait to, um, you know, get like picked on by them. I'll, I'll either say I'm here for an internship with the first order. Like I kind of <laughs> wanted to do that line or like stand up and, and be like, I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> See mm-hmm. what they do. Yeah. They, they will do that. They will, they will find people that are in, that are in character like that. Like I was so overwhelmed the first time I wrote it that while I was in the the large area with the stormtroopers, I just started crying. So did I <laughs> burst into tears. You walk into this like giant room. I have chills. Like you me know, too. <laughs> chills. You walk in there and there is this like entire fleet. The room is huge. It's really like open and tall. And there's like an entire fleet of stormtroopers standing there. It's breathtaking. And they, really, move. Yeah, they move. Yeah. They move. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know how they did some of these things, but like even on on the actual ride is also amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't I don't want to give more spoilers than I already did. Um, but yeah, amazing ride. <laughs> I know. I wish I could talk about it until I was blue in the face. But yeah, I don't want to I, totally I don't want to ruin could. all the fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Disney, and this is why I, I put this question right after that, um, recently in Florida, they have gotten into trouble because the, um, CEO, um, wasn't vocal about supporting this ridiculous, uh, or sorry, not supporting this Mm -hmm. ridiculous, ban on like schools now aren't allowed to say the word gay Mm -hmm. until children are older I guess anyway let's let's not unpack that one but the response from (laughs) Disney um was not good they sent like an internal memo but they didn't say anything publicly until after the bill passed. And so, you know, I'm just like, you have a lot of LGBTQIA plus uh, cast members. Recently, they let like non-gendered outfits for people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whatever you want um, as a uniform is is cool and then this happens anyway um what do you why is it important to advocate for this group of people in in tech yeah i have kind of a short answer for this i thought about it a lot but i'm sorry there's not much to say uh the people you describe with that acronym are people yeah People need advocates, especially marginalized people, like full stop. If you're not a member of this group, this group has historically and currently had issues gaining access to resources, Mm -hmm. including resources to learn and grow their career. And I believe everybody should have access to what they need to be successful. And I want to be a part of the solution. Like if I can create psychologically safe spaces with the conversations that I have for everybody, that's just one step in the process to bring equity up from the back because 
it, it doesn't matter whether you feel like they deserve it or not. It's not your call. Yep. So that's yeah. kind of all I have to say on that. <laughs> For me, it's, it's really just um, why do these acronyms even exist? Why is it anybody's business? What, what anybody does if, if someone is, is open, cool, like great. I think the names, I think the names that people have determined for their identity is important to have so that you have a word to vocalize what you, where you feel you belong, because that, that gives a sense of belonging to the other people who are in that community and, um, being able to put a title with it is helpful. Um, I don't, it can be used to other people. Yeah. But I feel like the benefits outweigh the negatives, especially if you're dealing with people who have your best interest at heart. That's all what it boils down to again is do these people actually have your best interest at heart? Yeah, exactly. My whole take on um, you know, it's nobody's business is probably rooted in my um upbringing. You know, mm-hmm. I've I've learned a lot from people who are younger and who call things out. And it's mm-hmm. um, it's important to uh, talk through issues, because if you continue to hide them, then they'll keep happening and people mm-hmm. won't learn like that's not an OK thing to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And personally, putting words to things putting words to things is something that helps me um, attack ideas and flip them over, turn them around, disassemble them and put them back together and see if I truly do understand. Because with ADHD, I just have a lot of sensory input going on all the time. So I have to kind of shuffle through that. And if I can actually make sense of what's happening in my brain using my words then I can come up with a plan to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, so poignant. Um, So what advice would you have for anyone who is interested in, in tech? I've said this before, but the most constructive thing you can do for your career is to be open and vulnerable at the beginning. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't have to put your full heart into things that you don't get fulfillment from, but if the calling strikes, oh my, holy gods, run with it. Be open to new people and connect with them and learn from them, learn with them because everybody's learning and then share those learnings to cement your knowledge you're gaining. Join Twitter if you want, follow your heroes, engage with the community you're trying to be a part of. Because those people will support and encourage you through some of the hardest times that you'll, that you'll experience trying to break in. So be vulnerable. Be vulnerable enough to look at your mistakes in another light. Learn from your stumbling blocks and crush them. Be vulnerable enough to accept critique that'll make you better. But try to build your confidence with practice enough that you can challenge assumptions with new ideas because we're excited to have new thought process, just as excited as you are to experience them. So share, be vulnerable and learn. 
Yeah, absolutely. That is very, very true. I would also say, I think earlier um, we touched on just talk to people network. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I mentioned the importance of keeping in touch afterwards. Like yes. um, I, I recently um, received a offer, um, a, a really, really good one from a, a person I've known a long time, but through her promotions at work, like she is now in a position to partner with my company. And I'm telling you, like, keep in touch with people for like, just people that you worked with 20 years ago, 10, five, whatever, you never know when they will need you in the future or what opportunities that will open to you as well. Like, Totally. 100%. Yeah. It's, um, and it's also just like, I, I get really close to people who I'm, you know, working with for eight or whatever hours every single day. I mean, you know, you make friends and, and stuff like that. And I, I say, just keep talking to them. You know, Mm -hmm. unfortunately I'm, I'm always the person who like starts it, but I don't care about that. Like, I just, I just want to say, Hey, how you doing? I haven't talked to you in like 10 years. (laughs) Well, and I think that something that goes hand in hand with that is the power of a thank you, just yes. the power of just thank you for sharing your energy with me. Thank you for making me a part of this. Thank you for your time. Anything like that, or, you know, a training course that you do that's, you know, two, three years old, just put a little comment in there. Hey, thanks for this training material. I learned X, Y, Z. Thanks so much. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. Uh, we are at the end of our time together, mm. which always sucks. Um, I have enjoyed this Flown conversation by. so much. It always does. <laughs> Whenever I'm looking at the clock, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I, I try to keep the pace and stuff like that. I feel like it's always rushed at the end because we spend <laughs> the beginning talking through like things for such a long time. But anyway, no, it was great. Um, Before I let you go, can you tell the people where they can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on a couple of different social media platforms. You can find me on LinkedIn under Karen Todd. I'm a software test engineer at Crema. And then at Twitter and YouTube, you can find me at Karen Tests Stuff. I've got a video series in production currently that explores the topic of software testing advocates who they are, how they're similar to each of you, and ways that anyone can get involved in advocacy for the craft and for themselves. I love that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I I enjoyed this. Like you wouldn't even know. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Shelly. <laughs> All right. If you want to support us, please like, subscribe, and share this episode with your fellow gems. Let me know in the comments what other topics you would like me to cover and follow TRs and Tech on social media. Thanks for watching or listening and have a great day.